July 24, 2021. It's a what from Pedro show.
Irish bikini tennis shoes. The Martha Mitchell wears them too. Bikini tennis shoes. Bikini tennis shoes. Bikini tennis shoes. Off for Pedro Show. Happy Saturday. We started the show off with Village Blues. John Coltrane. This is from that Blue World. Well, it was these recordings they found in the attic up in Canada. Oh, this yeah. Is, uh, Beautiful. Two. Ah, people, you can see I'm not man alone. Because the wonders of those Estonian software engineers with their scam vetch. I got Brother Rick Potts. Welcome bar, Rick. Cool. Yeah. And then uh, after uh, Mr. Coltrane, we had uh, La Fort Four. La Forte Four, I should pronounce right. Bikini. I guess. Yeah, I destroy all languages. Sorry. 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 <laughs> That's okay. Bikini Me tennis too. shoes, one pair. Okay. Uh, uh, really interesting stuff. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious about your journey through music. So let's let's try to go as far back as we can. Rick, please bring your earliest musical recollection. Well, I'm not really exactly sure what the first was, but like the first really significant thing um was well, i gotta tell you it's a lot from pedro show so there's no hard questions there's no wrong answers it's just the earliest one you can bring i, I don't know what the first is who does yeah well um my uncle loaned me uh a, a banjo ukulele when i was like 
God, three or four years old, like really too little to to handle a musical instrument. I'd never but, heard of a banjo ukulele. Yeah, it's just it's a ukulele with a band little banjo head a on resonator. it. Resonator, okay. Yeah, and so it's it's even harsher than a regular <laughs> ukulele. <laughs> and um, but that was like you know to have an adult hand you hand me a musical instrument at that age and and like say yeah sure here take it. I mean that was. I think a pretty big deal because it, you know, and it enabled me to like go, okay, well, I can play music too. Was your, and own, then, was your uncle a player? Not really. I mean, he played ukulele and, you know, uh, he spent some time in Hawaii and the Korean War, I think. And I don't know. He, he guess who he brought was, it back. Who was the cat that there. was big with that? Uh, Arthur Godfrey? He was one of them, but um, I mean, there were cooler guys like uh <laughs> yeah so i opened some dance schools right <laughs> cliff edwards you know uh oh, right. in the cliff 20s edwards. and you know uh, nowadays they got these little fucking bass guitars with kind of rubber band you oh yeah i had one of those for a while those uh i forget what they're called but yeah they're bizarre <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, like stand it. up a little bit okay yeah. so uh can i ask you rick first record you bought with your own money I think it was a Zappa record. I think it it was Grand Wazoo. I mean, um, well, what about the first gig you saw? Uh, that was like around the same time. My, my older friends took me to see Pink Floyd at the Hollywood Bowl. It was uh, Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> okay, and, and can I ask you uh, about grade school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? No, I got cut from the choir for the Christmas pageant. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I got to play Joseph instead. <laughs> the, yeah, the <laughs> but, guy with the coat. <laughs> but um, you know, the, the but it pissed me off because um, I didn't think I was any worse than any of the other kids. But <laughs> you know, maybe uh, maybe I don't know. I think I can keep a tune, but you know, maybe I maybe my voice was changing back then. I don't know. So uh, well, I just asked that because some schools got rid of their music and art programs, and I'm just curious. So, so the first instrument you jumped on was the ukulele or banjo uke, correct? Uh, I probably literally because they took it away from me after a while. <laughs> jumped on it, and uh, but then around then they got uh, my family inherited a, a beat up old upright piano, and and that's kind of where I started. Ah, so you jumped on getting that into it. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you have to go through? Well, for a lot of guests I've had on the show, this almost made them hate music. The the piano lesson ordeal. Yeah. I mean, I guess I was lucky. I mean, I I my I was able to pick out tunes by ear, and so my folks are like, okay, it sounds like he's you know got got some talent. So they they went to the music shop, and um, they ended up hiring this guy who was a an organist at a popular organist at a bar and um and we took my brother and i took lessons for i don't know a year or so but we never really practiced and um i just wanted to like improv i didn't really want was the barman a good teacher he was pretty good, I think. I mean, because it seems that's back, the seems that's the linchpin, you know. If you have a dick teacher, it ends up a dick experience. Yeah, no, he was he was okay. I mean, I think he was frustrated, you know, that he. Well, if you don't do the in, prac, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and um, you know, I mean, we we kind of learned how to read music, sort of, but I wasn't that into it. I, you know, for whatever reason. Um, well, you were still a but, boy too, right? I mean, shit. Yeah, yeah, I was like ten or something, but it was like um, 
but it was cool. Well, you your know, brother, your we, brother was into music too, and he's younger brother, right? No, I have two older brothers. Oh, okay. And, uh, well, did you and, guys make a band? Is what I'm getting at. Later on, that's kind of what Le Forte Four was. Um, you know, earlier on, he's five years older, so um, we didn't really play much music together until late. You know, I was in high school, but uh, but my dad played upright bass. In the, great. in the 40s in a swing band so that's the other instrument is we had this this bass to jump on up. that we tried but you know <laughs> the problem with it was is the action was so horrible yeah, oh, because it'd been it been dropped a couple of times and is you know at these kind of these parties yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and then his his buddy kind of handymanned it back together so the action was so bad on it that my brother played it more than i did but you know he brought home an electric bass and i'm like oh okay well, where, <laughs> you know, where did he get I, that where did he get that rick he picked up a a a, a beat up Echo out of a thrift store. Echo, the Italian know, with, ones, right? EKO. Yeah, yeah, with the Beetle, you know. Sure, sure. Um, and it had fallen off of the the hanger, and so it has like a fiberglass, like a plastic body that was like, uh, you know, a little bit damaged, and and uh, I think the it buzzed, so he ripped all the the you know the potentiometers out of it, and we just had it direct. And, uh, but that was like the first bass I played, um, really. And, and like self-taught, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, James Jamerson, they said nobody could play his bassy action because he came from stand-up world. And like, you could stick your head between the strings and the fretboard. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Helps build up strength. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got long, skinny fingers, so, you know, my dad was a plumber, so he could probably handle that. Thing. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> okay, so so La Forte Four. What was the yes. uh, was it was it mainly a practice band, or did you guys do gigs? We only did a couple of gigs. Uh, I think they were early on out at Cal Arts, and then um, you know around 1980, we played at some galleries around town, downtown mostly, kind of after the. You know, there was no place to play like in 1975, right. 76. We we put on a couple of shows with our friends. We started, we met these other weirdo musicians at Pooh Bar Record Shop. And, ah, great store, Pasadena. Yeah, hooked up with these guys, Tom Rashawn and... Ah, and, great cat. Uh, Man, you read my mind because we're going to play some of his music in the second hour. Yeah, he's great. And, um, be you know, people, be people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, I love those guys. Do you remember the first La Forte Four gig? Um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, before we had a gig, there was like a tape, uh, like an experimental tape program that they used to do at Cal Arts. It was mostly students. And the other students, like we played our tape last. The other students were sort of, you know, inventing drone and ambient music. So uh, there were people like falling asleep <laughs> for, for, for these other tapes. And then they put our tape on and uh, it was my friend Chip who had put this stuff together. And first he played this this kind of plunderphonic mix from his record collection called Smix. And it was um, kind of a John Cageian uh thing. And then he played this thing that we'd recorded called Bongo Madness, where we took this this lounge bongo record and 
uh, plugged our instruments through the Buchla synthesizer and played along to it. And what the, <laughs> you know, kind of... This is the music you gave me. I, I, what a fucking trip. Uh, a great sagui, Rick, because the next song I got up here is Bongo Madness. Yeah, well, it got turned off. One of the students <laughs> was so offended, he shut the tape off. Okay, <clears throat> in revenge on him, we're going to listen to it right now.
Просто себя истязает. Просто себя.
Alfred Pedro show. That chunk of music started off with La Forte Four. Bongo Madness. For all those fucking so-called open-minded people who shut that shit <laughs> off when it was at its debut. 40 years, oh, they were... <laughs> 40 years later, it comes back. So watch out, Karma. It, it, it wails. It wails. And then we had a, a Bronze Age uh, UFO out of Baltimore with uh, Part A3 of Lagoon Monster Rubber Mask, brand new out for them. A parallel System, System 29 from the Ramudan Project. This one's got Amy uh, Cordes, Andreas Brandel, John Kieran Fernandez, and Eric Hardiman, who's the project leader. Skullcaster after that, Chris Cones, uh, Paraplaneta Fuliginosa. Yeah, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, why can't read? Okay. Wharton Tears after that with Rumba and Tangiers. Great Wharton Tears, a drummer, studio man out of Fun City, huh? Manhattan. Plaster Man out of Ithaca, New York. Well, where's the other one? Greece? Yeah. Okay, Turbo, <laughs> Wicked Moosey, Pre-War 2, Bombs Prennan, Last Flight of the Suckling Leech into Passage from Sam Lockward out of Iowa City. Finally, Platform Swin Fins from the Rick Potts Band. That sounds 70s, huh? The Rick Potts Band. Mike Watt Band. <laughs> yeah. So you know who to blame, right? That's why I always thought. Like, no doubt there, you know? No mystery. <laughs> Yeah, don't blame those other guys. Yeah, don't blame those other guys. Sucker, suckered into playing with <laughs> Right, right. Or like, you know, realizing his vision. Yeah, I know. So, so uh, okay. Lafort Four. So you're the younger brother in a trio. Uh, so like low man on the totem pole? Yeah, I mean, I was lucky because, you know, somehow I hooked up with, with – uh, with older folks who accepted me, I was kind of tag along little brother. And, uh, but you know, by that point I was kind of, you know, accepted and it was great. I mean, it, I was still, uh, like a freshman in high school and we were going out to Cal arts and, you know, plugging into this bootless synthesizer and, uh, it ruined high school for me. I, I really <laughs> just wanted to like, you know, make art and music and, um, And, uh, but yeah, um, I, you know, those, those, both those guys, Chip Chapman and my brother, Joe Potts, they, they were really cool to me, you know, and and I I just feel lucky that, uh, you know, they dragged me along. So (laughs) was the Rick Potts band right after this La Forte Four? Um, you know, with the LAFMS, Los Angeles Free Music Society, we, uh, we did a lot of one-off things and mostly recordings. So, you know, I had this song I wanted to record, so I invited uh, Dennis Duck over to my bedroom. Oh, the drummer man for uh, Human Hands, right? Yeah, and and Dream Syndicate. And then, um, so he helped me record it, and, you know, there was one other buddy who was, kind of went along for the ride, uh, and... And so I just called it the Rick Potts Band. It was it was just like a one-off thing with my friend, you know. And a lot of the the things on the records were kind of like that, you know. We'd we'd get together, and it wouldn't always be the same group of people. And so uh, and was, so it was like piece lived, by a piece by piece. Was it almost a different band? Yeah, but then we had these other projects that were more regular, you know, okay. like um, you know what Four. I'm curious about, Rick, is because uh, you mentioned LAFMS. So how yes. early are you in with them? Are you one of the co-creators? 
Yeah, I was. I mean, we put out that bikini tennis shoes record. Yeah. And, and, um, well, did you know the, the smack gap on my guys? Cause I thought they were always a big part of that before they moved to Portland. You know, we didn't know those guys before they moved. We, we brought our record over to, to Pooh Bar Records to show Tom Rashawn cause we kind of knew him and, and uh, he was like, oh, wow, you guys put this out. At the time in 1975, it was kind of unheard of to put out your own record. Oh, yeah, big time. You know, and uh, that was kind of the point of it was and a lot of people were kind of pissed off by our record because it was obviously, <laughs> you know, like you made a record and you put this stuff on yeah, it because at the you? time it was like, you know, uh, people were listening to Mahavishnu Orchestra and all this like <laughs> – virtuosic prog music and you know they assumed you had to be signed to a label to put out a record yeah, yeah that's what and, I uh, and so so these other guys um, playing who were playing music in the back room at Poobah we got to know them and uh, and one of our early records we got tapes from Smegma who had already moved up to Portland so you know occasionally members of the, of the group would come down and we'd hang out with them but but yeah it was kind of you know I guess birds of a feather that cliche you know we were just not all birds of fire like, no <laughs> <laughs> although i you know i love that record and i, I saw that concert listen. yeah my you know my, we just uh, lost brother rick uh, laird the bass man yeah 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 um uh well my brother joe and chip chapman saw one of their first la shows at the roxy and they you know they told me about it. They were like right up against the stage. And, you know, I think it took them a while for the ringing to stop in their heads. But, <laughs> but they were blown away. I mean, those guys. Man, you, you want to talk about ascending arpeggios. <laughs> and like they're all doing it to unison, right? Like, yeah. like even Billy Cobham. I mean, the, the, Billy Cobham had big influence on George Hurley, him and Keith Moon. Yeah. That's how he taught himself drums. So tell me about LAFMS. How, how did it actually get going? Well, I mean, I part of it was we made that Bikini Tennis Shoes record. And um, Tom Rashawn over at Pooh Bar Records said, hey, you know, me and my friends are, re are playing and recording music that is kind of like this. Um, and he we met his buddies and and tom suggested well on the record bikini tennis shoes the label is listed as the east la free music society all right and um the reason it was called la free music society was uh to make it sound legit <laughs> We were just like it was hippie. a validator. <laughs> yeah, we were, and it was a joke because we were just these hippie <laughs> kids, you know. And um, and Tom said, "Well, why don't we start a Los Angeles Free Music Society? Put out more records, you know, where we all pool our funds and our resources and put on shows." And so, uh, you know, it was kind of Tom Rashawn, uh, my brother Joe and Chip Chapman were like, okay, let's do this. And so we put on a few shows, but, um, you know, they were few and far between. And we, we did put out over the course of about five years, a bunch of records that, you know, initially nobody wanted them, 
<laughs> They'd give them back to us. <laughs> Where wasn't there a storefront or something on on, on the Hollywood Boulevard or Sunset? Or? Um, no. I mean, we had a there was this this rundown building in Old Town Pasadena. Okay, maybe. And uh, okay, and maybe. you know, it had some vacant floors, and and Tom Rashawn, you know, Pooh Ball was in the neighborhood. They were renting uh, this old office space for, I don't know, like $45 a month. <laughs> and so that was their, his studio. And then we rented some spaces on the same floor. And uh, and that, that was kind of our headquarters. That, for that, the that's what I was talking about. I didn't mean like it was a storefront, like for a real store or anything, but it was just. No, no, space. no, no, no. This was up on this was up up above uh, a sweatshop. And uh, and some artist studios um, back when Old Town had a lot of vacant space. Sure, sure, artists, I remember. Jesus, a lot of artists. It was a uh, was a really different scene back when we were, you know, hanging out there a lot. Absolutely. Look, Rick, we're at the end of the first hour, July twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. Dishwat Pedro, special guest Rick Potts. Hold tight for hour two, July twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show. Thank <laughs> you. 
Pedro Show start off the second hour with human hands doing dog food. You know, the Stooges had a tune called Dog Food. I did not know that. Well, because I don't ever think it got recorded. It's on maybe some boots. But for sure, it got kind of recycled by a Alice Cooper band called 18. Oh, cool. Don't tell anybody. Lucas and Bell <laughs> after that with Do You Love Zigzags? I think that's where ZZ Top got. It's like cross between that and B.B. King. <laughs> that paper's <right. laughs> yeah, Joe Morris and Damon Smith after that equalization staggering and then finally human hands she's bucks you know I had a cat on the show a couple episodes ago maybe 20 30 years younger than us but experimental and they had a band called human hands and when I told him he said yeah I know I know <laughs> it's like getting yeah a, I think I think it's like getting an Asian tattoo and finding out it really actually means hemorrhoid <laughs> yeah i mean that was <laughs> yeah i think he should have stuck to his original name toxic loincloth <laughs> and he changed it to human hands and we were still do you know they were still doing some shows so it was kind of a bummer but whatever but they're they're critical uh old days of movement when punk was still up in hollywood um these guys came from phoenix and one of them turned into the germs drummer Don Bowles, yep. Paul Cutler with the 45 Gravers. And then there was these guys called the Consumers I saw, which turned some of them turned into human hands. 
Now, how, yeah, are you, well, how are you involved, Rick? Well, um, really just uh, the lead singer, David Wiley, was was from the Consumers. Yeah. Um, we sort of knew those other guys. I never got to see them play because they – I mean, they were an amazing punk rock band early, early on, and they came out here and basically, you know, got in a fight in, on stage and broke up. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> um, but um, but uh, through the other guys in the band, Dennis Duck and Juan Gomez, I knew them through LAFMS and, and uh, had played music with them. And we had a, like another combo with uh, Tom Rashawn, Frederick Nilsson, and, and uh, occasionally Edward Stapleton from Nervous Gender, gender yeah. called Paul, Paul is Dead. Sure, sure. I remember. And that was in 78. I think we one or two played. had a band called Romans. Yeah, that was, that was a little later. Okay. Um, but um, this band, uh, Paul is Dead, never quite materialized. And then uh, Juan and, and Dennis started Human Hands with David Wiley and this keyboardist, Paul, I mean, pardon me, uh, Bill Noland who ended up in Wall of Voodoo. But anyway, uh, they coerced me into playing bass with them. And, um, you know, I was a little reluctant to commit, but it was so much fun playing music with my friends. I was like, ah, okay. And, uh, and ended up being in the band and really enjoying it. Uh, and, and, and there was the uh, monitor people too, right? Valley people. Yeah, well, we knew them, and we did shows with those guys, and then... Um, because that's where the first time I heard me puppets, there's actually... A, they're on the first Monitor album. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> Without and, any uh, Monitor guys, it's just them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, they, they put out, um, you know, their first single, too. Uh, yeah, in the car. Yeah, they and um, we hung out with those guys before they came to L.A., we did a show in Phoenix and and uh, hung out with with Derek. Derek was house sitting this big spread out in Paradise Valley, and we hung out there and met those Kirkwood boys. And yeah. uh, they were we saw like their second show um, in this kind of industrial space. And God, I love those guys. Yeah. They were so so great. And um, and anyway, you know. Different than what we were doing, but... Th but so that was much the point, right? Remember, yeah. anarchy wasn't just a slogan. It was supposed to be a policy. <laughs> Look, I'm going to oh, play yeah. here uh, Dinosaur with Horns. Cool.
chunk of music start off dinosaur with horns and absinthe and then we heard tom rashad people i mean rick was saying his name enough just had to bring the music in here this is uh waka dawn 
and uh, really fucking happening. Uh, Carney after that again, dinosaur with what? what tell me about dinosaur with horns. Well, I was uh, going to art school, Otis Art Institute by MacArthur Park down there, and uh, they had a big Halloween party, and um, this girl I knew had a friend come by, and it was Joseph Hammer, and we we met, and he was doing this thing called Points of Friction with his friends out here in the valley, and you know we hit it off right away. He was making tape loops with those with cassette decks and uh and um so we started recording together like in 1982 and you know at first we worked with some other people but ended up just kind of having this shared weird vision of of uh that emerged in in uh this cassette we made that came out in 84 and uh with that release, I had recorded some, I'd been working on some keyboard songs in practice rooms out at Cal State LA when I was waiting for my girlfriend to finish her logic class. And we, I didn't want to have lyrics. And, um, but I wanted them to have like a song format. And, you know, we'd heard movies by Holger Chukai. Bass Man for Can. Yeah, and he had added shortwave radio to um, to some of his tracks, and they were just, you know, the way he synced them up was really beautiful. And so that was part of the inspiration for that. I mean, I'd already been using, you know, with Le Forte 4 records and other what they call plunderphonics now or samples. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so – you know, we sort of dialed into that. Um, can, can I ask you one little thing? Sure. Sunday That's what evenings. We're here for. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday evenings. Doctor Demel. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Oh yeah. I mean, especially when I was like, you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, got pretty repetitive at a certain point. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, shaving cream. Yeah. But um. You know, I Glad turned me on to some stuff. <laughs> Greatest yeah. politician that ever, Gladstone. <laughs> some of those things, he would play them so many times, he would, like, beat it right into your mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, no, I, I was, you know, I was a sucker for that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, just something. You know, I think it was all fucking antidote against his fucking arena rock that was burying us. And, fu- and then and fusion, like at smaller places. Yeah, it's, it's. I'm just okay. So, you go to higher education, Cal Arts, in as music, but also uh, visual, right? Well, you know, I never actually attended Cal Arts. I got to hang out there a lot when my friend was going there. Um, I went to Otis Art Institute uh, as a fine artist, and, um, and yeah, and I mean, we're talking visual, right? Right, right. Like I'd always been drawing um, cartoons and stuff, and uh, and art was kind of was my sort of first thing, and then it, then I was doing both. And uh, but yeah, at Otis, I met a lot of great 
people. Um, I mean, other people who came out of there, uh, you mentioned be people and I think Kim, you know, they, went, uh, Kim Gordon was there for a little while. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, Tom Rashawn was a, one of the many early Sonic youth drummers. He lived in New York for a little while and, um, be people, Alex Gibson and, uh, Fred, Fred on bass. And, and then, uh, Mike from, uh, uh from Swans was right. in the original version of be people. They right. had, they he were was, called, he lived up the hill here at Palos Verde. And um, and then he moved to New York, and of right, course, right. the rest is history. But he had uh, another uh, band too, called like Strict IDs or Cripple. IDs. Yeah, that was that was a pre B people thing. Yeah, with this with Alex and, and sure. Tom and Frederick. Yeah, and Fred got, Fred got into pictures, right? Taking pictures, big time. I mean, he he went to nursing school, and then and then went back to photography and now he's like a major player for fine arts photography. I mean, yeah. beautiful photo- guy, man. I, he always oh, very kind to me. Always very kind. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, July 24, 2021. Dish Watt Peter. So special guest, Rick Potts. Hold tight for hour three. You know, July 24, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt for Peter show. This is the microphone. And this is the microphone.
do with it what you want.
Pedro Show, third hour, start off, solid eye, flag etiquette, then trio for trumpet, alto sax, and marimba from Alvar Golis, and solid eye again with Garco. Now, I know a little bit about solid eye, and uh, in fact, I shared a thing at that here in Pedro that Cindy Bernard put on at Angels Gate Cultural Center. Right. We were playing in different areas, uh, making trippy sounds, uh, in different projects, and, uh, but t- t- tell us about solid eye. Well, uh, Joseph and I had been recording together for, oh, you know, seven or eight years. And um, we met up with Steve Thompson, who had been in Monitor. And we sort of bonded over this instrument called an optagon, optagan, I mean, which is an optical organ that Mattel put out in the early 70s. And it plays these 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 acetate discs that have samples on them of combos playing and their loops so you push a button on a keyboard and it plays this crude uh sample loop of a toy version of a mellotron yeah 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 and so we had one of those we were messing around with and steve was recording with one too and um pretty soon we started recording together and um you know decided to change to a different name from dinosaurs with horns. Now that Steve was, a, you know, working with us cause the music was changing and, uh, we ended up with solid eye and, um, it was kind of a name that had been like human hands, maybe had been used before <laughs> for different things. But, uh, but, uh, I got permission from Jeffrey Valance to use solid eye and, uh, who came up with the name and, um, it seemed to fit the music. You know, better than a lot of. We tried to come up with other names, and and that was the best one that's that stuck. And uh, you know what it's like coming up with band names. Oh yeah, but, it's uh, God, believe me. Even the one I'm famous for, when D Boone had me do a big list of them, I it was two words, minute man. I was thinking about uh, anti arena rock. Yeah. He said no, no, make one word, and those assholes who are trying to appropriate patriotic symbols will dilute their fucking power. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you talk about arena rock, and and I was reacting to that too. Um, you know, I had kind of I didn't know about some of the cool stuff, or wasn't sat hip to it, like Alice Cooper and and the Iggy and stuff in the early seventies. I was just hearing Led Zeppelin and Who, where they were these playing these huge arenas, and they were so fucked up, and and uh, <clears throat> and 
one day in in the library, I wrote uh, "Rock is Dead" on the next to somebody's Who insignia, and uh, came back to see what people wrote, and they, people didn't like that. <laughs> He's saying "Rock is Dead" in 1973. Well, I but think um, Pete Townsend had in that song, right? "Long Live Rock." But um, <laughs> you know, and and I was into other stuff at the time. I was really kind of jaded because. Um, my friends were listening to jazz and avant-garde music and, uh, and you know, Zappa and Beefheart and crap like that. And I was just, you know, kind well, you know, of a... You know, you were in SoCal. Did you ever listen to Carl Stone on KPFK Friday Night's Imaginary Landscape? Yeah, um, yeah, Carl's great and, you know we used to run into him at Cal arts cause he was a student at the same time I was hanging out there. And, um, yeah, Carl's great. Uh, and that show is really good. He actually was a, another one of those coincidences. He lived across the street from Joseph hammer uh, <laughs> as a child. <laughs> and, uh, Joseph says he inherited some plastic dinosaurs from Carl stone when he was a kid. <clears throat> So, okay. Yeah, okay, you gave me some. Uh, you gave me some Rick Potts music here. Something called Steamer Trunks.
How many people are, you know, you end up going to the same places and knowing the same people. Yeah, it, but in a way, it's parallel universes, and then they yeah. things start to collide and, and hook, uh, make uh, collabs and situations. Uh, That's great. It's a, a satellite has uh, gone up to Mars. <laughs> Soon it'll be filled with parks and cars. <laughs> Look, we just heard uh, steamer trunks, Rick Potts, smoldering corpse outside the embassy from our wrongs. And finally, Thomas DiMuzio, Joseph Hammer, and Rick Potts with fluorescent brown. Thomas uh, DiMuzio is just on the show. Incredibly interesting cat. Yeah, I listened to that show last night. He's uh, he's another really great guy. How, how did he's... you run into him? Because um, he was on the Joseph... East Coast, right? And then he comes up to the city. Through Joseph Hammer, I think, Um, and I'm not sure how Joseph got to know him, Um, maybe from going up to San Francisco to play shows, you know, but uh, yeah, Tom's great, and um, there's a great scene up in San Francisco, and, you know, brutal sound effects, thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. connected me with a lot of great people to, uh, to widen my horizons. A lot of this stuff is 40 years after hearing Carl Stone's imaginary landscapes. You know, this is all coming back to me in a way. And it's uh-huh. the reason why I got involved with the movement, besides being anti-arena rock, it's just the idea that music is music. You know, why not keep trying to figure out what it is? Yeah. You know, by doing it. By, yeah. by, by pushing against the wall. Instead of saying, no, the wall's there. Why not keep pushing? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that way about uh, opera. <laughs> okay, it's just like I don't get it. Yeah. I don't appreciate. I don't appreciate it. But that's. I feel like it's me. It's not opera's fault. 
Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> you got a little bit of a tradition going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what have you been uh, investigating, composing some operas? Oh no, 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 no. I mean, I just mean like. I've done three. I've done three. It's tough. Oh, that's great. I mean, I've I've done some long form. Actually, stuff. I got I got to uh, admit to you, my inspiration was not Tommy, but Quick One. Okay. The little one that's only ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now two albums. I remember one time this guy brought a ska version of Tommy to me and Perk had to listen to that. Yeah. Whoa. That was tough. <laughs> <laughs> that was wow, tough. what a concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the whole thing was ska. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I yeah. guess it was a, basically the same story, kind of, but, you know, feel me, feel me you know, whatever. I, I, I don't know. know. I always figure a genre is burning out when they start to do, you know, heavy cover versions in a, in a you know, generic style well so this guy and you know he was dressed up new york dolls but he, i had just seen him a few months earlier in the swing mode right swing yeah not, nothing against your pop and stuff but this was like a revival in the late 90s right 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 he said mike when they make the gap at it's over because <laughs> i was wondering what with, with, with the johnny thunders looking you know well yeah so, yeah mind your wardrobe people yeah rick where can people find you on the internet and not just your music but your uh, visual stuff too well um i've got a website just rickpotts.com r-i-c-k-p-o-t-t-s.com people that is correct and that's mostly my art um well they're all art right there's a visual art and then there's an audio art yeah yeah and, uh, I mean, for sounds and video, you just, you have to like search YouTube for, for solid eye, Rick Potts or dinosaurs with horns. I don't really have my, my music organized on a, on a site right now, okay. but, um, what you got plans uh, to, you know, it would be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm late to the game with, with, uh, with some of that stuff, but, um, you know, well, have SoundCloud you, and have you been composing during this uh, situation? Yes, I have. I mean, I recorded a couple of long form things. I mean, you mentioned opera. Yeah. I did, I did two seventeen minute things that were kind of based on on uh, on sleepwalking. Well, it's the idea that I came up with was when you're trying to sleep in the middle of summer. I mean, I. I've got some AC now, but I never had air conditioning growing up or ever. So in the middle of summer, you're trying to sleep. You got all the windows open and you're sort of half asleep, half yeah. awake. And there's sounds outside. Maybe there's a party going on down, you know, a block away. There's birds and insects and it's all kind of mixing with what's in your head and what you're dreaming. Yeah. So, so I decided to, to, to do some music based on that. And, uh, I had this idea if I make it 17 minutes long, it'll fit on an LP. Well, it hasn't happened, but, uh, <laughs> my friend in Japan is going to put out a cassette of this stuff. And, you know, it's, 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 a it's a basically a kind of a long mix of, of some, some, some tunage in there and some, some samples and, but it's all supposed to give you this kind of dreamy, half-conscious vibe. 
Wow. Man, their summers are sweaty over there. <laughs> oh, God. At yeah, least ours yeah. are dry. I know what you mean, though, waking up in the heat. Oh, man, is it. But anyway, I can't wait to hear it. So please bring when you get get it going. And it's been okay. a big, big honor to have you on the show, truly. Come back anytime you want, Rick, please. Yeah, give me a call, Mike. Okay. Let me know. I mean, I'd, I'd love to. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Big thanks again to Brutal Sound Effects crew. Yes. People, July 24, 2021 edition, Watt Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>